0: So super excited to have Harold Pressenbach on the Never Broke Again podcast. Harold is doing some cool stuff that I saw with him and his wife. Wrote a book. He's got a podcast himself. What's what's the name of that podcast?
1: It's The Freedom Parents.
0: The Freedom Parents. And I can't say I've read the book, but based on what I saw, um, Harold's story was... Similar to probably a lot of people. You work in corporate America, then you realize working at a big faceless organization sucks and you have no time for anything except work. And you probably looked in the mirror one day and said, man, I don't really like the person I'm becoming. So it seems like you gave all that up to uh, do what you're doing now. And we're happy to have you on the Never Broke Again podcast,
1: Harold. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, Like I told you before we hit record, I love the name, Never Broke Again. I think that's... uh, (laughs) super important and i think it's it's part of once you learn how to uh earn an income a significant income uh you have so many tools in your arsenal that you never can go broke again cuz it's all up in your mind right
0: <clears throat> mm-hmm. totally and th- the thing working at corporate america a lot of people don't understand is they're like man my job's so stressful it's like well if you're having a bad day at corporate america you could just chill and you're still still going to get paid for those hours but when you leave that, you got to figure out how, how do I get convince people to give me money?
1: <laughs> right. Right. It's uh well, we we actually so I worked corporate America. So a little bit of our backstory. Uh, I worked corporate America out of college because I did like the, mm-hmm. you know, the American dream, go to college, you get a degree, you get in debt to go get a job that doesn't pay nearly enough income to pay back the debt that you incurred. <laughs> Over the years, mm-hmm. at hard, least for most, most for people, party for a few years, right? Right, a You're, fun exactly. Uh, so for most people, at least, and a um, majority, if that. But I remember I took a time off for. I think what really motivated me was I took a spell off right around my junior between my junior and senior year in college, and people said, "Oh, you'll never go back," because statistically, people never go back. But I think my dad did the best thing for me, and he worked construction. I mean, hard construction. And I was working six months in New Orleans heat on a probably a hundred pound jackhammer, jackhammer and roads with a bunch of convicts. I mean, half the people I was working with were ex-convicts. And it was just it was just who who they were and what they you know, where they came from. Coolest people in the world. Most interesting. But uh, I was just like, yeah, I need to go back and finish this off and get this degree. And uh, so I did that. And I got hired through a MTP program for a Fortune. I think they were a Fortune 400 company at the time. MTP, what's that? A, a management training program. So okay. they, yeah. So they flew me out to Texas. I did some training there for a couple of weeks, and uh, I was a glorified assistant manager for a branch. And uh, over the years, I worked myself up to to the head to the head honcho of of two branches, actually. Mm-hmm. And, but it was like you said, you were trading hours for dollars. Um, you, it was a long commute. It was basically, I was leaving my family when they were sleeping at night and getting home when they were sleeping. So it was like just this cycle of how long can I do this? So I did it for about mm-hmm. seven years. Uh, through that, I learned a lot though. I, I don't regret it because I learned a lot of sales, like communications mm-hmm. and building rapport. A lot of stuff that I use to build what I built today, so I, I did take things away from it. Uh, so those of you who are listening who's kind of in that kind of rut, maybe or kind of in that corporate thing, you're kind of like got one foot in, one foot out. You got some skills you're acquiring. Lean into it and 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 see how that can can help you move forward and what you really want to do. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, at what point did you start to get into your mind? I need to get out of here. Was it was it year seven? Year two?
1: no i had a lot of people that came in and i can remember this guy's name i'll just use his first name his name was bob and he was one of the top salesmen so they would come (laughs) through my location um giving me business and he he was an older gentleman probably 20 years older than me and he said he said harold he said you don't belong here i was like man what are you talking about He goes, you don't belong here he said uh he goes, you got a lot more to give. Don't get caught in the golden handcuffs of here. He goes, because your income will go up. Your expenses will go up. Your income will go up. Your expenses go up. And you're locked in like me. He said, you got more to give and more you can do. I was like, dang. So there was two other people that said that too, like mentors of mine. And within the company, I was like, man, either people within the same company. I said, there's a sign. The straw that broke the camel's back was when uh, we had... Um, we had some things happen like storms and stuff happen like happened in new orleans and hurricanes so i literally had to work seven days a week for about eight months straight i mean seven days a week for eight months straight it was a lot of hours a lot of were they, were of, they at least coming paying home. you well oh well well in comparison to what i make now no it was very bad but then i remember mm-hmm. coming home and I didn't even have time to cash my bonus checks. I remember coming home. I was like, what, 28 years old. And I'd come home with a $25,000 bonus check, $35,000 bonus check. And I would just pin it on the refrigerator. And the next thing you know, I like two or three of them worth like 50, 60 grand, but I didn't even have time to go cash them. Cause back then, you know, it wasn't auto deposited. It was like, I was cashing them, uh, at least your bonus checks. And I was like, this is ridiculous this is ridiculous. Like, what's the point? Kind of like you opened up, Josh, you you opened up by, you know, you give your whole life trying to make a dollar, but at what sacrifice was it? Like what, at some point you got to back up and say, what is this all for? And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I was.
0: Yeah. I mean, I went through something similar to you. Uh, I lasted four years, about four years in corporate America and you get into the, you're just like, yeah, you know, one more bonus check. One more bonus check. Yep. And you, you 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 realize, like, what the hell am I doing here?
1: Right. Right. Like, and they, probably, they pay you probably, just- You're
0: probably like, I already bought everything I want.
1: Well, yeah. At 20-something years old, you, you're darn right. I had to own my first house at 23 um, mm-hmm. or 24, somewhere around there, which is, I don't know, these days. Who knows when, if that was- I think back then it was, it was pretty rare, or at least amongst my friends- at that age. And, uh, and what I realized about corporate America too, was they pay you just enough to where you don't quit. You know what I'm saying? Like they pay you just enough to where you don't quit. Um, but not enough to really, and and, and not enough for you really to, to, to really achieve what you want to achieve or or do what you want to do in life. But that's, that's the game, you know? So we got out of that. And I think that was a big turning point for me was I find when my back's against the wall, we, we tend to really get motivated. We just had a conversation yesterday with my wife about that. But so we wrote a business plan and I always was mm-hmm. a, I was an ex-athlete and I was in health and fitness and my wife started personal training and I helped her get into that. And we wrote a business plan and we wanted to open our own. First, it was a supplement company. And then I realized mm-hmm. that that was a doggy doggy world. I said, We'll never survive in that world. Uh at least Yeah,
0: you gotta at that you gotta time. do crazy marketing like the liver king to uh make it in that
1: world. <laughs> exactly. And back then, <laughs> you know, we, we barely had text messaging in that. So it was like I don't know, it was yeah, out of our realm of expertise. So I said, No, we're not gonna do that. Way too much competition. I said, You're in personal training, I'm ex, you know, athlete. I so said, we can do this. So we wrote a business plan. I think I was 28, 29 at the time, 29. Mm-hmm. And what was she 25. And I remember going to the big wow. banks, and they just laughed me out. So that was another thing I got from 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 going to college, though, was I one of the only thing I really got from college was I knew how to kind of do that, write a business plan and go through those type of fundamental things. And they laughed me out the bank, literally, they gave me like eight minutes being polite, and the big banks just laughed me out but I went to a small bank. And I'll never forget the, forget the man. He's probably no longer with us because this was years ago. And he was he was up there. And uh, Mr. Frederick's is a small bank and re, like small little community bank. And he gave us a loan. He, he talked to us for like an hour and 30 minutes. And he gave us a shot. And he gave a 29 and a 25-year-old kid, no collateral, a uh, $150,000 loan. And I was like.
0: So that's how okay. you got started.
1: So that's how we got started with the gym and we, and we signed a lease signed five years of our life away, uh, I think $40,000 in rent. So it was four times five is 200 grand we signed away Mm. and I was like, oh crap, what are we going to do? What did I just get myself into? And I was still in corporate America. I was on, had one foot out and, uh, we were supposed to do an exit strategy that I would, we'd get the new business going. To where I could step out of corporate America, we figured it'd take us about 12, 18 months. Well, two months in to open a business, my wife got pregnant. And I was like, oh, Are you kidding me? <laughs> so we had to expedite things. And I end up moving out of corporate America nine months earlier than we really wanted to or were prepared to do financially. Uh, but like I said, we alluded to alluded to earlier is that when our back's against the wall, I think for most people in general is when you're really gonna come out swinging. And that's what we did. So, Mm
0: -hmm. So that's kind of. Were you given the loan based on your financials that you were employed somewhere?
1: Yeah, I mean, that helped. I think at the time, I think my average, I was probably averaging around 75. But when I said uncollateralized, I mean, like we had nothing to put up against it. I had no equity in my house. We had nothing. You know, I had maybe 10 grand in a savings account. So, yeah, it was based off of. A goodwill and a handshake like literally a goodwill and a handshake mm. and based off my income which was probably at the time was between 75 it, it fluctuated 75 to 100 grand a year i think my a high year might be 120 you know
0: mm-hmm. but but i mean that was that was some time ago so oh yeah was that, that was, 10 years ago that was, 20 years ago
1: that was probably 12 years ago yeah oh. maybe 14 12 14 yeah
0: Gotcha. So that's probably yeah fourteen. So you you'd probably be making like two hundred thousand plus based on
1: yeah to put in perspective
0: today. So you had a kid. You have a kid on the way. You have your whole business plan is now uh in the fast track. How do you how do you find people to to (laughs) fill this gym
1: up? You know we. I think that's when we really got. Well, first, she she had some good rapport with some of her clients. So, of course, some of them came over uh, and that helped uh, Facebook and all that was kind of I don't remember when that came, but it was right around there. It was kind of new. And mm-hmm. we started doing like crazy videos like we just started doing wacky Wednesday videos. And I was like I said, I came from an athletic background. And I could do like crazy stuff, like just balance and stuff and exercises. And we started doing Wacky Wednesdays, and I'd do I'd do stuff like that. And she'd post it, and it caught people's attention. And we would do like uh, Healthy Thursdays, and we'd give recipes. Like we were just back then, just giving value, giving value, making deposits, making deposits. Uh, and I think then we started doing these healthy gatherings where we started saying, hey, you want to do races with us? We do local 5Ks. And we'd recruit people. We would take pictures. Mm-hmm. So we'd always built the community. We always show community. And it start with five people, six people. And we realized, man, people want to belong to a healthy community. And mm-hmm. we just started growing that and holding people's hands, going to grocery stores, like not getting paid for it, like literally just making deposits, making deposits with people. And that's kind of how it started.
0: Mm. So while you're making this deposits, what's, what's happening on in the background?
1: Well, that's when, you know, like most entrepreneurs, I was the janitor. <laughs> I was the accountant. <laughs> I was mm. the sales. I was the trainer, owner, operator, manager, all the above. Like we would literally go there on Sundays with a mop in our hands and, uh, clean. Like it was it was endless. And it was kind of like at some point we were excited, but when that excitement wore off a little bit and you started hiring employees, I realized, man, I jumped out of one frying pan and into another. <laughs> I mean, you know, you,
0: you I, got a frying pan into the fryer.
1: Yeah. You know, you think, Oh, you, you don't own a business. That business owns you. Like the business owns you. And when I came to that realization, And my wife didn't want to let go of it. She was just like, it was like her baby. It was kind of like an ego attachment thing. And she'll tell you that. So I'm not saying anything that she wouldn't say or has not said. And I was like, we got to go like this. We need to bounce. This will be we'll be slaves to this forever. And we made a lot of good relationships. We had some 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 wins and some victories. We had some high months and some low years and whatever. But it got to where competition got harder and thicker. And I realized that my top trainers were making more, more money than me when I boiled it down to hours. And I was like, but all the crap rolls downhill to me, all the responsibilities roll down to me. When someone quits, I'm the one that needs to step up. So it was like, we need change. And I remember waking up one morning and I got an alert on my bank account. And it said that we only had X amount of dollars in our account. And I was like, wow and we had a lot of credit with the bank. It was pretty much maxed out. And I looked at my wife and I said, I don't know how much longer we got. Like, this is bad. I said, and I'm gonna make payroll. So if we gotta put it on our credit card or what, we're gonna make payroll. I said, we need to do that or we're gonna get a bad rep in the, in the community. I said, that's just the right thing to do. So I some kind of way put my sales hat on and I called in my top clients. And I said, "Hey, would you guys mind paying up front for a year?" And I had eight out of ten of them sign up for a year, and they gave us—I think that gave us like fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Because our personal training—it was a boutique gym—so our personal training mm-hmm. programs are like four to eight hundred dollars a month. So a year up in advance was eight to ten thousand dollar contracts. So it, it kind of floated us to give me kind of. A breath of air I could breathe mm-hmm. and I told my wife but I still want out because this is temporary so um that was then we pivoted to the next move which was how do we get an uh, exit strategy out of here
0: mm-hmm. and what makes you th- feel like that passion for this gym that you put so much time into just fizzled out
1: You know, we, I think we just, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's the book, the E-Myth really. I don't know if you've read that book, Mm -hmm. the E-Myth phenomenal book, but he talks about there's technicians, there's managers, and there's entrepreneurs. And a lot of times people are phenomenal technicians and they get into these opening these small businesses, but they have no management skills. They aren't entrepreneurial. They don't know marketing. They don't know. And honestly, I teetered on the side of some management skills because of my corporate America, had the technician because me and my wife could do personal training, but we were missing other things that we were kind of learning on the go. Uh, But I think the biggest thing was employees, to be honest with you, because we couldn't pay them these, you know, these incomes to to make them excited that they were just kind of going through the motions. And it it just, it was tough, man. So I lost that love and feeling, I guess, for Mm. owning the gym, but not for health, because there were people's lives that we would impact and we'd see change. And it'd give me goosebumps that we still talk to, to this day that were part of our gym community 12 plus years ago that text me still today. Occasionally I, I get a text message saying, thank you. So that's powerful.
0: Hmm. Yeah. The health space is definitely a uh, popular space to be in, especially with the rise of social media. So you're done with the gym. You've been out of corporate America for a little bit. You had, I'm sure you had your kid before you exited the gym. So
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we had three kids. What's that relationship? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, what's like your relationship like, like with, your family at that point, is it better than in corporate America? Was it struggling a little bit or was it stronger than ever? Like, or a hybrid of everything?
1: Well, there was a little, there's a little part of the exit strategy too was it wasn't just exiting because I told my wife, I said, look, we have two options. I said, we owe, I think at that time we owed $65,000 in debt uh, to the Mm -hmm. bank. So I told my wife, I said, look, we have two options. We can already talk to the bank, had a great relationship with the VP. And uh, I said, we can fire sale, back a truck up, fire sale, all the equipment, probably make 30 grand. We'll owe 35, 40 grand to the bank. She said she'll amortize it over seven years. We owe X amount, of hundred, I think it was like 700 bucks a month for seven years or Mm -hmm. five years. I forget. I was like that's plan B. She goes, oh, that's not plan A. I said, no. I said, give me one year. I said, let me see if I can get this back in a black without me being uh, like removing myself from the business. Cause a lot of times people have businesses and they'll call it Joe's coffee shop. And if Joe ain't with it, Joe ain't there or, or whatever, then, you know, he's part of the business. How can you sell it? And we were part of, we were a big part of the business. So I said, I'm going to have to back myself out of it and make this thing function to where someone could come in and say, Oh, it's a business in a box. I can buy it. So I traveled to New Orleans, went to a conference with a guy named Rick Mayo. He's pretty big in the fitness industry. He's still kicking to this day uh, pretty hard. And I just absorbed everything he spoke about at that conference In some kind of way uh, the guy I was with. Knew him. And at the end of the conference, we end up going to dinner with him in New Orleans. A nice restaurant. He gave us all his secrets and paid for dinner and bought his dinner. I'll never forget that. He probably don't even know who I am to this day, but i but I always remember that. So I went back and I implemented it. And within six months, uh, I removed myself from the business. We took a little bit of a hit by losing clients, but we had it actually in a profit without me even being there. And I said, okay, wow. And for a minute, Josh, I thought, oh, wait a minute. What if I grew this without me? And I was like, my wife looked at me. She goes, don't you dare. She said, we're getting out. So we kind of planted a seed to two people. We didn't go public with it. With two people, we just planted seeds that we wanted to sell it. First guy was a trainer. He was too broke. He he wanted to buy it for like, he said, all I got is 10 grand. I was like, I can't do nothing for you on that. The next people came in. They were semi-successful in other areas. And he wanted to buy it for his wife who was a fitness enthusiast mm-hmm. in the community and they bought it. So we ended up paying off our debt and we made a significant amount of profit, uh, for, for us in that time frame, and paid off some debt, all our debt, personal and business. And we said, what's next. And that's when we started, um, leaning into what we were doing, do now. So
0: mm-hmm. going back to that dinner, how did, how did you get to that dinner?
1: Well, the guy I I helped you. Yeah, because I had did some, a mentor of mine kind of became a partner of mine. And we did actually did a, I'd say a semi failed. I won't say semi successful uh, license agreement with the gym I had. And we sold a license agreement in California and he helped Mm -hmm. put that deal together. And he had mentored me through some things. He was pretty big in the fitness industry. So we had a relationship and he flew down with me because he was trying to help me create my exit strategy and maybe to do licenses agreements as a, as a side thing. So we'd exit, but then we'd go sell these licenses agreement. So he had a, he had a little bit of a relationship with that guy. And so he did what he did. He's very charismatic and he hooked up the deal. And all of a sudden he's like, Hey, we're going to dinner with Rick afterwards. I was like, what? I was like, I'm all in, let's go. And we we went afterwards and it was the conversation's a blur i just remember just taking notes and i remember my guy at the dinner table at the dinner table i'm taking notes at the (laughs) dinner table at a nice restaurant and i'm in gym clothes too because i wasn't expecting to go to out afterwards you know and yeah i don't even remember what restaurant we're at i just know it was not and i know new orleans but i don't remember because i was just so focused in getting digging myself out of this hole my family out of that hole of just Mm -hmm. You know being in, in massive debt and that cyclical process of that that i was just like i'm going to get everything i can out of this you
0: know? yeah and and for someone who doesn't understand how does the licensing deal work with what you were doing
1: yeah we were so i'm not a i'm not a pro with that I, and you know that's one thing i have learned too josh is like like i'm getting into i just started into real estate not too long ago and i realized I don't have to know everything. I stay in my genius, but I need to recruit people who really know what they're doing. And if I trust them, I know enough to know that things don't feel right or things just, you know, I got common sense and I'm not a stupid person. Uh, but at some point gotta re- you you got to lean back and say, hey, I'm not a pro at this. I can ask some educated questions. If it sounds kind of mm-hmm. crazy or don't make sense, then OK, maybe I need to lean into that spider sense and call bull crap on it. Or you know what? Okay, thank you for clarifying that. I don't want to know anymore. You're a genius. So the, basically, the license agreement—not that I'm a pro at it—they had access to our name, which I thought was ridiculous at the time, because we didn't have much of a. We, not, definitely not in California. Just in my little town, we had a name, and our gym's still actually going. The name's still going in our town. Uh, What's the name? Later, uh, it's Lyft, Lyft Training Studios. And it's still okay. an operation to today. So that's kind of proud of that. But the one in California is not. It uh, hmm. They got access to me and my partner for mentorship and sales training. And they got access to our sales system, uh, which we had a pretty good sales system. So that's really all they got access to. That and the logo and our CRM system that we had that anyone hmm. could have bought. We had just customized it to us. But that was pretty much it. No. So basically
0: you're just selling a few key ingredients to help someone get started.
1: Exactly. So, but you look at it, the price for, to go create a logo that's eye catching, that's, that's cool. That's, it, it costs us a lot of money that hmm. they didn't have to go through.
0: Now, and did so everything we, need trademarked and everything before you could do those licensing deals and whatnot? Or were you just like, here's my name, here's the license. We were already, we it. were
1: already, yeah, we were already trade. We were already had that trademarked in that from years prior so we were already set and ready to go and i'll admit it was kind of um it was kind of that was kind of a blur i was kind of surprised at that and uh i don't want to say it was it was just kind of um i don't say half half butt but it it felt kind of like i I just going through the process i felt like what am i getting i can't believe these people are buying this like what am i getting myself into type of thing, but I knew I'm going to give them everything I got. I'm going to tell, I'm mm-hmm. going to teach you everything I can. You know, I, I think it only lasted about a year. The license. Well, is I'm great. sure you
0: learned some things during that, that
1: you oh, can't, yeah, uh, yeah. you can't replace. No, I still have a relationship with the guy actually too who bought it um, to this day. So and that's the one thing I think is important as you go through these things, even if things fail uh, or don't succeed or go the way you want it to go. Mm -hmm. Keep a relationship. Like I said, I made sure I was paying my employees, even if I didn't eat for a night, you know, I I made sure that at the end of the day, even if it ended up costing me, because at the end of that license agreement, it was like, I'm not making any money on this at this point, because they're not making money. Why should I be doing these calls with them? Why should I be doing this? I was like, because that was my word. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have just been like, wash my hands. I'll never see this guy again. But because I didn't do that. I still have a relationship with that guy. I still, because you do the right thing, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And do, do you feel like if you did have a different mentality, you're like, I'm not making money on this, screw it. That would have actually hindered your growth?
1: Absolutely. I think everything you do, especially in today's market, man, today's climate or today's world, I think everything you do behind closed doors when the camera is not on defines you. And it truly defines you. Uh, There's so many people that go out there posing and some people I know they're posing because you can pose and you can put the best filters on and you can clip it the best stuff out there, which is important because you want to catch people's attention. I get that. So don't don't misconstrue that. But I think when you show up with vulnerability, you do the right thing on camera, off the camera, unapologetically. Authentically you, that's what this world wants. That's what this world mm-hmm. needs too. You know.
0: Because the way I see it, even the most successful entrepreneurs, the amount of time they put in, they're probably making minimum wage or less when it's all said and done. Oh yeah. But yeah. a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, if I, I'm not gonna do this unless I make a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, but for me personally, if you want to be a real entrepreneur, that's that's not the correct mindset to have, because when it comes down to it uh, up up in here, it never it's 25 hours a day, eight days a week.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're going to. Yeah, you can't break it down with that. And I think that's what that's probably a big part of what prevents people from being successful in an entrepreneurial Cause there's a lot of life coaches out there. There's a lot of people with these titles and uh, they have that mentality you just spoke about and you gotta be willing to, I remember when we sold, we didn't have to, cause we were probably earning at the time what would be the equivalent of 200 grand a year now, just decent, decent money. Uh mm-hmm. you're eating, you're eating, you're living a life. And I remember we sold all our cars except for one. Me and my wife shared a car. And I remember we cut off all the cable. I remember we stopped doing like we just was like, like, we're if we can't be content and happy and really put all our resources into growing this business and be a little inconvenienced so we can be convenience for the rest of our lives, we don't really want this. Like we're we're it's just mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen. It's not no one's gonna give it to you. And I think people are just too I don't want to say lazy. I hate to say people are lazy. I think they're uninspired. I think they're uninspired.
0: Hmm. I just feel yeah. like people aren't willing to sacrifice.
1: Yeah, you think about what, what are they not willing to sacrifice? It's like, what do you have now? Like seriously, mm-hmm. like what are you, like what is, and that's not to belittle, belittle people. Because look, I come from a gravel road. We used to, my wife was talking about the kids walking in the gravel out here in the, the little part of our drought because a lot of rocks in arizona i'm like they'll be fine i used to play football in a gravel road and cars would come down and be dust storms and we you know it's like so i'm not belittling anybody but it's kind of like you got to step back and be like what's the worst that could happen like, like if you take mm. like you said if they want to sacrifice or they want to take a risk like literally, that's what me and my wife said, What's the worst that could happen? Because this this kind of sucks. <laughs> you
0: know. It's all it's all perspective when you say a lot of people compare their current circumstances based on you know where they were. So like for you, you were making around a hundred thousand dollars a year at your corporate job. Then you went to making probably nothing. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, why would anyone do this? Right. However, they're looking at what they lost, not what you can gain, which I mean, I'm sure you're making a lot more than what you were making at your corporate job.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably in oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll probably make in my corporate job now in a half a day where I had to work a year in a corporate job. So yeah, big difference. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean, how long did that take to get there?
1: Well, that's exactly it. You know, I'm in my, my wife's just turned 40 and I'm 40, just turned 44. So mm-hmm. it, you know, I wish we'd have learned 10 years ago, but I know now that's why I try and speak into my children and I speak into others. And I'm like, man, you, you don't understand. Be patient, be patient, be patient, but continually growing, continually getting out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Got I tell Michael my wife, mentality. I don't want to,
0: I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to buy any houses. <laughs> I don't want to buy nothing. She made me, she, she didn't make me, but she wanted, you know, eventually you got to move in with your soon to be wife. And, uh, you know, I had a house, I sold the house, gave it up. And she's like, well, eventually I want a house. It's like, well, we can, we can wait for that stuff. Let's right. Let's, let's, see how low we can live.
1: It's, you sound similar to what we did. That was the point. It was a pivotal moment in our life when I said, we we sold all our cars. We didn't have to, we had the money, but I said, let's, let's get, let's lean out. Let's lean oh, out. I still
0: I still Uber on my way to work and on my way right.
1: home. Yeah. I made yeah. nine
0: dollars on my way to work that pays for two gallon three gallons of gas now almost.
1: Well think about we'll I'm driving think, I'm driving for free. <laughs> exactly. And think about you could probably get work done too. Like if you did depending on your work, you could probably get sales calls done in the back of that car. You could probably do typing or do writing or do whatever where you couldn't when you were driving. So no, I think no, I, young I, I drive Uber on my way to work. Oh, you drive. So you make, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes.
0: I'm like, I'm already commuting this way. Let me see if I can make money on the way there and on the way back. It's like, oh, I make $20 on my commute to work. And gotcha. I, and that's something I tell people. It's like $20 extra a day. How do you make tw- $20 a day? That's pretty doable. That's an extra $7,000 a year plus. Now you're like, all right, how do I make $40 a day?
1: Yeah. And you were going that way anyway, like you were driving to work yeah. anyway. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You're just maximizing. Yeah, I feel like time. the
0: mindset people have is like, well, I don't want to have roommates cause you know, I, I don't want to clean up after people or I don't want people in my car cause they're going to get it dirty. Uh, but those are the people who are in their corporate job. Like, yeah, I hate my job. It's like,
1: what are you well, going to no, do? You bring, you bring up a good point and that's where people, people want to be here. And if you can't see, I'm holding my hand up high. <laughs> Like people want to be here but they don't want to go through the journey to be here to be there Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is like when we were just starting out we had we didn't have to but we kind of had to when we were starting personal development and we'd go to conferences and that we used to share rooms with practical strangers kind of sorta we'd share hotel rooms with them and i remember i'd go to the bathroom in the lobby because i didn't want to use the bathroom in the same hotel room as these people but we got uncomfortable and did these things where now I will never share a room with nobody and I'm going to get the biggest, baddest suite there is because to me it's the same as back then as a Hope Motel six. Right. But I had to go through that to get where I am now. Uh, and people don't want, out willing to go through it. You know?
0: Now it's cool that you can get the biggest, baddest room, but on the flip side, if you were to share rooms with people at these conferences, what, What kind of relationship does that build with other people?
1: Well, see, when I get the biggest, baddest room, so for instance, when I I try and get the biggest, baddest suite I can when I go to these conferences, because I'll have people I invite to the conferences, and I'll host cater parties in my suite. And we'll have- There you go. There's Every night. Yeah, every night. So I'm like, how do I use this room? Because trust me, I could stay in the smallest room. So I'm glad you brought that up. Like, there's a twist to it. How can I leverage this beautiful room? And it makes people level up in their minds because they get in this room and they're like, wow, look at these views. Look at the service. You know, look at, we were at the Ritz the other day in Atlanta or uh, last, I'm sorry, this past summer. Most people that are coming up that were mentoring, they they don't have that experience and they come up to the suite and they come up to food catered and they're just like the room service and the the quality of service. It gets them dreaming and it gets them saying, Hey, I want a piece of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, It's more than that than just a room, yeah.
0: And that's what a a lot of people don't talk about is consistently turning something from an expense, which a big room would be an expense, into how do I turn this expense into some sort of producing asset in some sort of way, which most people associate with making money. Like, what's my return on investment on this? versus it seems like what you've done is how do I turn this into generate more relationships and then those relationships will eventually turn into something
1: yeah it's how can I uh the relationships and how can I give people experiences that they that gets them out of their rut you know most mm-hmm. people are just in a rut I heard it said before and I've used this a lot because I truly believe it Is the way he said it was the the only difference between a rut and a grave is six feet, right? And too many people are in a rut and it's so hard to get out of a rut because if you think of a rut, it's like a deep track in a road, right? That gets there. Usually it's like, well, I come from New Orleans. I think you guys are in Florida. And it's like, it is hard if you get in a rut and you're driving to move the car out of that rut like it takes a lot of force to get out of it you know what i'm saying that's yeah. how people are in life like you have to disrupt patterns you have to like uh help them become inspired so back to the point is like I, I recently bought uh well a year ago uh a can-am my wife was like why you got this desert doom buggy like can-am this thing and i was like you know how many people we can invite in town and I could take them flying through the desert and going shooting in the woods and target shooting and take them to places that most people can't go and have them experience these things and build relationships. He's like, gotcha, buy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. so well, how do you how do that did.
0: when you don't have money, when you don't have like these cool ways to bring well, people in? How do you get creative with in that sense?
1: Exactly how we did when we started our gym, when we were dead broke uh was we'd invite people to 5k events like for us it was health and fitness so we invited for so in that space it was like let's invite people to a 5k though there's people that can't run 5ks well guess what i would run or jog with people that could and i had my little group of people and my wife would walk with some people and walk and jog and then we'd have like a healthy happy hour afterwards where we'd invite people to lunch afterwards to wherever the local 5k was or we'd invite people to uh to our house for um any type of community gathering and, and education and and just really bringing them closer to where they wanted to move to ours was health and fitness so i keep leaning on that uh, but that's something else too is just for your for your listeners is i heard um i think it was bedros said that bedros culian who actually was a mentor of mine I actually owned a fit body boot camp i was one of his first 20 um fit body boot camp uh licensees or whatever And he said that the first doorway in a personal development is your physical health. Mm -hmm. And I think he's spot on because when people get wins and victories in their health, it starts to open their mind up to more personal development and entrepreneurship. But anyway, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. Sorry.
0: (laughs) No, that's true. I mean, you're only a certain age for a certain amount of time. So if you start focusing on your health in high school, it's going to be a lot easier than if you start focusing on your health, even in college, because just like investing, your health can compound positively or negatively over time. And I feel like we're seeing that a lot with uh, the older generation that just worked, 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 and then didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, take, you know, take their health into any sort of consideration so i I feel like we're starting to see that but now i feel like there's some sort of shift i go to the gym it's slammed and people are like in there looking serious i'm like man these people are (laughs) spending like 100 dollars 200 on their outfits at the gym like what's going on here that's not how the gym was back in the day
1: but they're building traits josh they're building discipline right and that that's something that's important mm-hmm. for entrepreneurship. That's why I say it's a doorway to all personal development because you're building traits, you're building discipline, you're building routine, you're building structure, you're building consistency. You're that's things that you could just take and move over to grow in a business, and that work ethic, and it'll work equally the same.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's a that's interesting. I don't know how we ended up here, but we ended up at this point.
1: Yeah, I apologize because I'm a health and fitness guru <laughs> or not guru. No,
0: not not about that. <laughs> no. But it's in, it's interesting because it's like, hey, just get to the gym first. Like for someone who's just starting, just get there. Just like, hey, yeah. I don't care if you go to the gym and use the bathroom and leave. Just get there. Right. Uh, you know, taking that next step is just like doing it. And I don't know if you feel this way, but essentially – your life doesn't really change other than the things that you could buy when you take that first step. And then you quickly find out that none of it really even matters.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Well, yeah, that's a whole nother philosophical topic that could probably go an hour on. Uh, but it's it's so true. That's so true. And I think that's when... Um, yeah, that's a whole nother. We could get because I I told
0: I told my wife I'm like what kind of house do you want
1: you know yeah uh,
0: they they know what kind of house they want from a very uh-huh. young age just like they know what kind of person they want to marry girls have all sure. that women yeah. have all that figured out and it's like well if you really want that house then we're gonna have to we're gonna have to live like this for a while because <laughs> right if I was to go get a normal job we, we will never be able to get the things that you actually want so our chances of getting that would be zero. And I feel like a lot of people want to do things, but they don't want to take that risk. But if you don't take that risk, you have a 0% chance of ever achieving that goal. So why wouldn't you do it?
1: Well, you're spot on. It it ties into a conversation. I I always have these conversations with my daughter and I'm hoping that they pick up on this wisdom to where when they get older, they're going to be powerful ladies and powerful women. But, uh, She's very shy with my oldest. And I told her at the restaurant, I said, Hey, you need to ask the guy for a box for your food. She goes, no, I don't want to, you know, her leftovers. And I was like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I don't know. I said, well, don't you know that no, will always be the answer. If you never ask, and she was like, w-? and she actually sneaked in. She has a is always the answer. If you never ask, and it's to your point of, if you never take the risk or you never take the chance, then it's always going to be a loss. It's always going to be a no. If you don't take the chance, if you don't take the shot, you know, it's like the basketball player, he doesn't take the shot. Then he's always going to miss, you know, he's never going to score. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's so true. And I think one of the things too, is you you guys seem to to speak a lot about, like we're talking a lot about being some people would say frugal, or I like to say lean out, not physically, well, physically, but also in your finances and your expenses. But I think one of the things that I didn't learn till older that I wish I had learned younger was like not leaving, like having my money work for me and not know mm-hmm. and and knowing that it doesn't always have to be a home run. I was always like, oh, man, if it's not a home run, it ain't worth it. No, there's little investments that I know will never be a home run. They're base hits and I'm OK with a base hit because otherwise my money that I work for, I don't want to work twice for the same dollar. So I put it in things because it's sitting stagnant in a bank, especially right now you're losing money. So be okay with base hits, have your money working for you while you're still bringing in your earned income. And I wish I had to learn that 10 years ago. And I think I learned it. Like I, no, I didn't learn it. I read about it. I heard it, but I didn't know it mm-hmm. because to know it is to do it right. That's the difference. A lot of people, they, mm-hmm. they hear things, they talk about it. Uh, you know, they write about it, but Right. You don't know well, it unless do, you do. Why it. do
0: people? Well, why do people hold cash?
1: Because they're scared. It's security.
0: It, it's a false sense of security. It's like, oh, yeah, I got exact false sense. There you go. I got, yeah. I got I got twenty grand in the bank. You know, I'm good. But at the same time, y'all, everyone needs to have cash on hand for certain sure. things. However, if you can produce something that's going to spit out five grand a month five hundred dollars a month and your cash is at zero you're like well every month i'm gonna get five hundred bucks so if i get a nail on my tire it's like all right i might have to throw it on my credit card but i'll just use my i'll use my money to fix it or it's like hey like i got this income producing vehicle let me drive my way to work and on my way home and i make 20 bucks Mm -hmm. so if you make enough 20 bucks like netflix does 999 a month, you uh you can have a couple billion dollars in the bank.
1: <laughs> yeah, then it comes based off of volume, you know, hundred hundred percent. It could be based off of value. But I so think would you say you that know, was
0: the most important thing you learned was that is having assets versus just cash, which cash is debt. It's a it's a promise to pay.
1: Cash is Cash is dead, but I it's 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 required obviously for investment. But I think the one thing that I learned that I was a slow learner on was for this is Grant Cardone all the way. Um he talked about
0: how,
1: you, your first goal is how to make money, right? You need to learn how to make as much cash flow as you can, right? That earned income. But then it's to how do I keep that and how do I multiply it? And I think that's where mm-hmm. people get stuck is they'll start making the 100 grand a year to 200 grand a year or the, you know, whatever significant for them. And that's where it ends. They don't, they don't never figure out how to keep it and they don't figure out how to multiply it. I will say one of my biggest mistakes was I spent way too much time trying to figure out how to keep it versus multiply it. Meaning I was always trying to find the tax loops and the way to, to minimize taxes way too much time. And it was like, just make more income, pay your share, and just multiply the hell out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, with, with that, if you get into the habit of having like no money because you're putting into certain things, and then eventually it just, you, you don't care if you have $10 in the bank because you know you're going to be able to just get more of it. And the more comfortable... I feel like you can get with being able to live lean and mean like you said the, yeah. the stronger someone someone can become
1: hundred percent that's that philosophy stay broke and i always thought that was crazy so what do you mean stay broke i worked my whole life to not be broke but it's to what you just said it's stay broke it's like you you make your earned income and you Put it back into something. You invest it back into something. And I know there's some people I would ask the same question. I'd be like, but how do you have investments? How do you have people to, to do investments with? And in that that's when you're building relationships. Like I flew out to Texas last year to go do a great conference, great keynote speakers. I took in a lot from them, but I didn't fly to Texas to hear the keynote speakers. I flew to Texas to be in the front row of the VIP section to be around some alpha, like some one percent prime hungry people and i made four connections that i'm still talking to this day and actually i'm i'm investing with one of them right now that's why i went to texas so it's to put yourself in a yeah uh there's a base hit but it's uh it'll i think it's going to turn into other things because we it's kind of like we're building a relationship but it's uh i don't invest in anything that i don't that doesn't fit with me morally or like my values or my integrity and being a health person uh it's a, a you know they like you have kombucha you know kombucha drinks it's like a vinegar kombucha mm-hmm. yeah well this is a hard yeah. kombucha so it's alcohol i think it's like six percent alcohol but it's super clean it's all natural uh low 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 sugar and it's all from natural sources uh, i actually tasted it too because i was in flagstaff recently and bought some and i, I just like the company so yeah, so I invested in mm-hmm. them. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I feel like everyone wants to be in your position one day. And then you're in your position, you're like, I want to be in a different position.
1: It's it, it's always, but you know what, Josh? It's it's careful. It's it's like um it's scripture. It's uh don't let it don't get caught in vanity and chasing the wind though. Mm-hmm. Like and something chasing the wind,
0: something, I, yeah. something I've seen some people do is like, they're going after something and like, oh, I just don't have the money. I need to find investors. Yeah. I, I tell people it's like, well, like, have you put forth an effort to find customers?
1: <laughs> oh, right. Right. It's like, it's not the people need to ask a different question instead of why I can't. It's like, how can I? That's powerful. People ask the wrong questions. People talk so bad to themselves, so negative. Like, your mind's just not going to work for you when you're talking nasty to it. Like, you know, you got to talk positive affirmations. You got to ask the question, well, how can I? If I could find the money, how could I? Your mind will go to work for you. And so, some people, it's like, oh, that's hocus pocus, this guy here. Call it what you will. It's worked for me, and it's worked for a lot of other people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, there's definitely... Uh, a lot of things out there, like, for example, uh, Michael Jordan would say, like, why would I think about a shot I haven't taken yet? Versus most people are like, oh, I'm going to miss this. It's like, well, <laughs> right. why are you even thinking that way before you even take the shot?
1: Right. Right. And it's like, And I always ask myself, and that's what really got us moving into taking, I'd say, more chances, calculated chances, calculated risk. Right. They're not blindly mm-hmm. stepping into things. Calculate it. But it was what's the worst that could happen? Like you think of the worst things when you thought the world was coming to an end in your financial or in your life or whatever things that happen, you think of the worst thing, and you think about how <laughs> we make it up to be so much, but we always we always find a way through. And it's like, well, you know, and you're gonna learn so much through that process. You know, you learn a lot about yourself is what you're gonna learn. Mm-hmm. And it's required.
0: Yeah, if my you kids don't all like stuff, yourself when you have no money, if you don't, if you don't like yourself uh, when you yes. have no money, you're not going to like yourself
1: when you have money. Yeah, it's do hard things. I just told my son that. I said, do hard things. I taught just recently taught him how to l- ride a bike in three days and, uh, and just 15 minutes a day. And he kept wanting to give up a little bit. And now that he's riding, I said, aren't you glad you didn't give up? He goes, yeah. I said, you can do almost anything in your life if you put enough practice into it, like you become good, but some things might take longer practice. Instead of three days, it might take three months it might take three years. But you I promise you that consistency. And I don't know why we, we get old, we get 30, 40 years old, we just I don't know why people are so confused that just knowing delay gratification, things take time. I don't know. Impatience.
0: Yeah. Well, everything is instant gratification nowadays. Uh, but at the same time, people gotta be uh you gotta be strong willed to survive social media and everything like that to get your name out there. Cause I mean, once you step out of the cocoon of uh corporate America, it's uh it's a whole new world.
1: Yeah. It is. It is. And I told my wife recently, I said good's the enemy of great because like we had to put ourselves in a position with our backs against the wall. Like sometimes you got to burn, burn the ships, you got to burn the bridges, right? Because otherwise you're not going to come out swinging, at least for us, we wouldn't come out swinging. And right now things are pretty comfortable and we're doing some big things compared to our 10 year ago version of us. But I know that we're, we're not operating as if we burned some ships in that because life's pretty comfortable. me I mean, my wife just had that conversation. And I'm like, we're kind of comfortable. Yeah, we're doing some things, but we're not doing them at the level we did 10 years ago to get where we are. And to mm-hmm. your point, you really have to generate that type of energy, that frequency, that momentum to but create you, you that
0: gotta, You got you gotta find people who are hungry and yeah. invest in those people to uh bring things into perspective a little bit.
1: One hundred percent. So it, it seems like you're doing that, a though. Between.
0: You're keeping your, in your eyes open for opportunities, and yeah. uh, that's what you always got to do. You always got to be looking for opportunities. Um, especially, you're in the health and wellness space. I mean, what 50, 60 years ago, doctors were telling people to smoke cigarettes for stress. Right exactly um yeah. then in Thank the 90s i think and i don't know as much as you do but like 90s was like atkins diet and then obviously yeah. keto got um popular recently uh, however it just seems like you know people got to do what's best for them because we're all we're all different like your skill set and my skill sets can be very different but what you said at the beginning of the podcast is what people need to do do is identify what they're good at and then figure out what they're not good at and then find the people that are good at what they're terrible at. And then that's how you build a,
1: a star team. Yeah. And, and I think people's ego and pride gets in the way. It got in my way for a while. Cause I felt like I would look weak if I didn't know about that or I let someone know I didn't know about that. Now I don't care. It's just, we're a team and a team is to get across the goal line. I'll be the water boy my sometimes wife. on some projects. Doesn't matter. I can quarterback some. Doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, my wife will say, "Is like, how do you not know anything about this? Like, you're so you know so much." I was like, "I know a lot about a little."
1: There you go.
0: I know a lot about a little. Um, I don't want to know. I don't want to know everything. I don't want to. It's just too much. So I, it, you're you're right. People people need to. F- you know, focus on some sort of specialty because everyone has a some sort of special gift. We like to ask people in interviews, and I'll ask you, "Is like Harold, if you were to challenge me to a competition, what would you challenge me to that you're 100% confident you can win?" And that is exactly what people need to focus on. Is like, yo, I walk into a room and I look around, and it's gonna be a. I don't care if it's a juggling contest. <laughs> it's like I can I can beat everyone in this room in a, whatever it may be, and that's. That's something I f- a lot of people need to look at is like, what is that skill that they like? If I walk in a room, I can beat everyone not to be mean, but
1: yeah, no, it's, it's you know it's, what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. There's a fine line between uh, cocky and confidence, right? <laughs> For well, just sure.
0: self-awareness. Yeah. Self-awareness is important and all that and the- fun stuff.
1: Yeah. And to stay in your genius. Like I said, be comfortable staying in your genius, but you got to work to finding the team that can help bring your genius to light. Like whatever it is, like maybe you got a great product and you're a great salesman of that, but you got to figure out, hey, how do I have a, a um, I'm not a systems person. I'm not a marketing person. You know, you get them in front of them, So you, you got to find people who can put them in front of you so you could stay in your genius of sales, but then you got to think of find people who can retain them you know, customer service, client retention, all that. So it's simple when you look at it though. It really is. People mm-hmm. overcomplicate it and they get overwhelmed. Just breathe, build a team, <laughs> let things go. Don't get in your ego, stay in your genius and stay hungry.
0: I like that. <laughs> I like that. And uh, I like, and about let's, let's, let's wrap up on that note. Cause I feel like that's a good note. <laughs> to wrap things up on what, what do you want people to do with what you're doing now? Are you looking to have people reach out to you for certain opportunities? Obviously you're on our podcast here, you know, yeah. sharing your insight on your, your journey. What, what are you looking to accomplish in uh, the next six to 12 months?
1: Yeah. I mean, my passion is always health and fitness. So we, are, cause I do believe that it is the pathway to you know you get people wins in that and they just feel better about themselves um they they their energy levels up it opens up their mind to all of a sudden want more so i am always passionate about helping people in health and fitness so we we work with people we still continue to work with people through that route and i think the other thing the freedom parents is more of a awakening also so we awaken people through our health coaching practice who are independent health coaches. So we awaken people through that, through their fitness journey. But also the Freedom Parents is a sub brand that with our podcast, it's really just to make deposits in the people, bring them as much value as we can, because we know we came from nothing. We came from, like I said, country boy, gravel road, one street light town. Um, and it's just to let those people know and give them the tools and resources that You can create and become anything you want. So if we can be a small, small part of that, influencing them or giving them a tool. And that's what it's about. It's like people think it's like this one thing. It's not the one thing. And I know that's a great book. The one thing I get that, but it's like, it's 1% at a time. So it's 1%, you grow 1%, 1%, 1%. You take something from Josh, 1%. You take something from what I said, 1%. And you just keep compounding that over time. So I just figure if I could keep giving back me and my wife to, to those people, then they become better. We all win as a society, you know, who wins when you win? That's kind of the mindset who wins when you win. So think about it. If I'm winning at a high level financially, then guess what? All the people I employ are winning that wouldn't be employed if I wasn't winning, you know, my pool guy, my landscapers, whoever, housekeepers. Nannies, all these people are winning. The nail salons, when my wife and my four daughters go to get their nails done, <laughs> they're winning a the big time. So it's who wins when <laughs> you win. It's a whole nother philosophy. Anyway, got a little off track there, but. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're on
0: the Never Broke Again podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And I'm excited to see what you got. Getting that, uh, getting a little hungrier getting a little bit more leaner because you were, like you said, you realized, Oh, we're getting a little comfortable here. It's time to, uh, time to shake things up a little bit. Like you start doing push-ups, It becomes easy. It's like, all right, throw a 45 on the back. Let's make it a little harder.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks for having me on. It It was fun. Appreciate it.
0: Cool. Thanks, Harold.